Whether it's filling your social media feeds or not, the Black Lives Matter movement is still raging and it still needs your help. Please consider donating to any Black Lives Matter causes you can because we still have a long way to go towards a better future for all of us. Donation links are provided below our description. Please check them out and consider donating. We hope you will. Thank you. And now, this week's episode. Just like all the Fast and Furious movies, this episode contains spoilers. Twinema. 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 Cinema. Twinema. Cinema. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Twinema Cinema. I am your host, Joey, with my co-host... Max. That's me. And this time, we are talking about two films from our childhood that somehow Max didn't see. Rookie of the Year and Little Big League. The inspiration never struck me. I was never a... a, Actually, no, that's a lie. I was going to say, I'm not a baseball movie person, but clearly having loved the hell out of Sandlot and Field of Dreams, that's a lie. Uh, So uh, I have no good excuse for not having seen either of these movies. Oh, that's okay. I have seen both of them enough times for the both of us. And that puts me at a disadvantage in the show that I am not comfortable with. It's usually the other way around. <laughs> oh, no. The shoe is on the other hand now. <laughs> oh, well, to be fair, I think I've only seen Little Big League like three times. But Rookie of the Year, I've seen that quite a few times. Quite a few? So, Max, we're just going to start off with this. What can you remember? I want to know. I know you can't actually remember anything, but if you were to be making guesses, what would you say Rookie of the Year is about? I'm going to give you this one first because I think the title helps a little bit. From what I understand and what I've heard, you know, just through cultural osmosis, this is about a kid who plays on a professional baseball team. Yeah, that, 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 that sums it up. <laughs> because just like Airbud, there's nowhere in the rules that says a kid can't play. Very, very true. Um, do you, by chance, since it was part of the marketing material, know how he ends up in the majors? If, oh God, I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure he breaks his arm and it heals in a way that allows him to pitch super fast. Is that right? <laughs> yes, it is. Because this is the 90s, baby, and that's possible. (laughs) Science. (laughs) I don't want to say this quote from the movie, but it involves the moment where he gets his cast off. And it's like, we quoted it all the time. So you will get to bring it up once we come back for the second half of this episode. Man, it's like I'm trying to think of all the crap you used to say when we were kids, and it's not coming to me. So this will make a lot of sense. Uh, And uh, is Rookie of the Year also the one with Daniel Stern, or is that Little Big League? Uh, Daniel Stern is in Rookie of the Year. Matter of fact, he's the director of rookie of the year what yes it's his only film that he's directed and he marv directed a movie yes and he did such a good job and he also acts in it as uh some very very strange comic relief it works but it's strange so you're gonna tell me that joe pesci directed the other one right i wish I mean, actually, I have no idea who directed Little Big League. For all I know, it could have been Joe Pesci. All right, and then from what you've been telling me, Little Big League is not about a player, but a manager. Uh, Yes. Would you like me to give you the quick synopsis of this one? No, I don't think I really (laughs) like it. This guy is managing the... What is he managing? Who is he managing? 
Okay, I'll tell you that. This one is the Minnesota Twins. Ooh, okay. So, after winning a box top contest for his favorite cereal, this kid gets the chance to manage a game for the Twins, and he does such a good job as a stunt, they allow him to do the rest of the season. But much like Major League, the Twins are not supposed to win. So... They try to get rid of this kid, but just like Airbud and Rookie of the Year, there's no rules that say this kid can't manage the team. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of amazing. I like that Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory kind of idea on how it comes to be, but it's actually more plausible than that. So plausible that it's kind of upsetting that it could actually happen. And so, you I mean, it happens pretty early. So like you get to that pretty quickly. But I just want to also mention that in Rookie of the Year, it's the Chicago Cubs. They're actually using real baseball teams. And I love that, that they got these franchises on board to be a part of these movies. Yeah, normally in these types of movies, you have to make up. Like, what is it, the Senators in The Replacements that uh, Keanu Reeves is playing for? They had to make up a fake team. Uh, I believe uh, it was uh, the Washington Sentinels. Sentinels. Okay. And then you got, uh, what, Any Given Sunday with Al Pacino as the Sharks? Yeah, which I think is great. I mean, they're a Florida team. It makes sense that there's some Sharks down there, you know. Yeah, usually because of, you know, licensing issues, you have to make up a fake team. So, yeah, it's surprising. Surprising and awesome because then they also get to film in the actual stadiums, which we know and love. And in both of these movies, we do play against other actors actual baseball teams and there are opportunities where real baseball players do show up which gives it a little bit more credibility and that's always fun just like when you have like in deep impact where we had real news reporters from los angeles reporting on a volcano in los angeles having real baseball players play in these movies it just makes it feel so much more realistic and believable and that's when the volcano pops up in the field right yeah, right in the middle of Wrigley Field. Oh man, volcano. they have to play around the volcano. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't know how, but yep, that's how it works. They're ac- actually he's pitching from the top of the volcano. That's how he gets his speed on the ball. Mm, it's lava powered, or is it magma? No, it's lava. <laughs> This is getting silly. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's also, weirdly enough, coming at the exact same time as two other fantastic baseball movies from our childhood. Both The Sandlot and Angels in the Outfield came out in pretty much the same stretch. So baseball was popular. That's crazy. I always forget about Angels in the Outfield because I saw it so much earlier than the other films that it's in my memory, but I don't specifically remember a whole lot about the movie other than the premise of there being angels in the outfield or the fact that little joseph gordon levitt is like the main character in that movie and that matthew mcconaughey is in the outfield but he's not an angel no no he's an outfielder not an angel but he's in the outfield with the angels but he is an angel in the outfield are they actually the angels is that the team you're you're kidding right that's the whole pun I wasn't kidding. I just forgot. But yeah, I think at that point, they were the Los Angeles Angels. So yeah, (laughs) they are angels in the outfield. That's the joke. (laughs) 
Well, you know, some things just go over your head or you completely forgot about them. I mean, unless you have the angels on your side, in which case you catch the balls that are about to go over your head. And you know, like the flapping of the wings thing. Wait, you know what? You know, yeah, we're, this isn't we're, the movie we're covering. Movie, guys. <laughs> it's like we got a sidetrack there. Uh, so we're going to head into the dugout. We're going to watch some movies. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to read the signs the coach is giving off right now. It kind of looks like he's scratching his ass. But I feel like we're going to be watching the movies for about four and a half hours. Did I read that right, Joey? I, I think so. That's uh, that's what I was getting. So we will see you, or wait, you will hear us in four and a half hours. For this week's double headers, we have Rookie of the Year currently available on Stars and for DirecTV subscribers. And Little Big League can be found on HBO Max or HBO. And both are available for renting wherever you rent movies. Play ball. I love coffee. Do you love coffee? I love coffee too. Uh, you know what else coffee can do? It can help us keep this podcast going. So if you go to coffee.com slash cinema, ko-fi.com slash cinema, you can give us coffee or money or money coffee or coffee money. Oh man, we should pay with beans. Anyway, coffee.com slash cinema. Help us out. Thanks. Bye. Billy, you're my best friend in the world. And I... I want you to have my very favorite thing, the Minnesota Twins. Man, when my grandpa died, all I got was a sweat. Catch! How long will he have to be in the cast? August. And now rotate from the shoulder, slowly. Oh! Oh, whoa! Funky butt-loving! Did he say funky butt-loving? Those tendons have healed uh, a little tight. Gosh, Nick, you can play for the Cubs! I would like to announce that I've named myself the new manager of the Minnesota Twins. I'm the new pitcher. 12-year-old Henry Rowengartner, the youngest person in history to play Major League Baseball. Hi, Henry. Welcome to the big show. Billy, it's not that easy. There's a lot to this game. A lot. Can I, like, have your autograph? Wow, Shelly Horgle. What a babe. He's turning into a regular social giant. We're not going to win anything with a kid for a manager. Now, why don't you go home and build yourself a fort or something? I know you guys think I'm a joke. Maybe the problem is you guys forgot how much fun this is. Yes! This kid can do it all! Yeah! You're major leaguers. Don't you understand? You guys get to play baseball every day. Who could be better? Gotcha. Well, hey there, sports fans. We're back in the dugout after 4.5 hours of hard play in the ballpark today. Joey. These are some fun movies. Both of them are quite enjoyable. A nice little trek down Nostalgia Road. But I got a lot of new information doing a little research on this. And also, I thought a little bit more about it from a new perspective as a much older man. And it's all new information to me. As again, I had not seen these movies previously. So I had a pretty fun time. Which is great. That's exactly what I would hope. Because going back and reviewing them, revisiting them for myself, I enjoyed them immensely because of how good they are, not entirely out of nostalgia. And so I'm glad that you got to have a good time as well. Yeah, I mean, they're all enjoyable experiences and they all have pluses and minuses, but uh, more pluses than anything, honestly. They were just fun. For sure. I thought that they were both very enjoyable, very good little fantasy romps, but also there's a lot of great comedic moments. Uh, one of them definitely had me laughing more than the other, um, which honestly surprised me a little bit, but it doesn't matter because I enjoyed them immensely. Well, I mean, if I'm thinking of the same movie you are, it's a different type of 
of movie than the other one. Like they're two different things, which made them in, like great to watch because one was a little more what you expect and the other one was a little more out of, what's uh, the field nobody expects? Left, left field. <laughs> Excellent, Max. Way to use baseball references. I appreciate you. <laughs> I have to drive the point home. So first off, I just want to say, um, what year did these come out, Max? All right, respectively, we got Rookie of the Year in 1993 and Little Big League in 94. Now, this is the type of dueling film that is within our realm of dueling, although just barely. And so for that, that puts us at, what'd you say, 93 and 94. So that puts us at like five and six when these movies came out. And obviously, I don't remember watching them then. I remember watching them on television. You hadn't seen them at the time, but both of these movies just kind of scream 90s at you. And I loved it. It was nice to reminisce about some of these 90s elements, even if I personally don't remember all of them. Well, mostly I love just watching it again now, but for 90s reasons, because I recognize half of the actors and I one of these movies like uh rookie of the year oh my god it's the janitor from scrubs playing first base little league that asshole in field of dreams is uh, hitting on his mom wait what that dude is in that guy's in field of dreams too what no not the same guy i'm just saying as far as recognizing things oh okay my bad but no the no the janitor is not in field of dreams okay he's in the fugitive though <laughs> Uh, I think like some of my favorite like 90s moments, especially in Little Big League, because Little Big League takes place in Minnesota, was just seeing things that I actually recognized. The fact that they went to Valley Fair, which we spent a decent amount of time going there in our childhood. It was like a a vacation. It wasn't like an everyday affair. But just seeing that on camera made me so happy. Seeing the wave. Oh my God. I mean, we stood in the spot where they get soaked. Exactly. And that moment is so beautiful. I love when he's just like, I think he was saying, get off the bridge. (laughs) It's like, oh, that that park was great. Because obviously you're not going to get to go to a whole lot of big expensive theme parks, but it was the the closest thing to Disneyland back then. For sure. And also that moment and just that movie gives us a nice redemption arc for that man. Considering like he gets a, he gets to be an asshole in a baseball movie in Field of Dreams. And then in Little Big League, he gets to be a nice guy, a good person. He doesn't cause a little girl to choke on a hot dog. It's a good, it's a (laughs) win-win. Oh my God. That's like the... Oh, it's like, I mean, it's the, it's like one of the climax, it's the climax of the movie and it's intense and it's so sad. Let's not get stuck on Field of Dreams because man, that's a moment. Although for a moment, I do want to talk about a different baseball movie because it is absolutely worth mentioning the Angels in the Outfield as that easily could have been the third feature on this particular podcast as it also opened in 1994, a month after Little Big League, also dealing with a child influencing play in a major league real team. Which, like, I think we were discussing this beforehand a little bit, but for some reason, Angels in the Outfield has never, like, cemented itself in my mind as, like, a theatrical released film. Not to say anything demeaning about the film or about the people involved. I just don't remember it. I only remember it from TV. And I I just, I think for the longest time, I thought it was a Disney Channel movie. I mean, I'll acknowledge it's quirky Disney qualities. This is probably why it wouldn't fit in here, besides the fact that it also has real supernatural angels in it. So it's probably for the best that we didn't include it. But I just wanted to acknowledge that it easily could have been facing either of these movies. Good point. So anyhow, we're going into some similarities now between these two films. And one of the things that really struck us right off the bat when we were doing research um, was the fact that both of these directors have only directed one movie. Yep. 
Andrew Schneiderman had been a successful producer, Oscar-nominated, actually, for uh, A Few Good Men, but Little Big League, his only directorial uh, effort to date. And the same for funny man Daniel Stern. He's only directed just one movie, Rookie of the Year. Which he also acted in, as we know if you've seen the film, in a really out-of-place, quirky Kind of fun character that I enjoy, but he really does take a little bit away from the film because he's so oddball. Good old Brickma. Oh, that's it. I just realized. I was thinking he belongs in, he's in the wrong movie. He should be in Angels in the Outfield because that is exactly the vibe in that movie. He would fit much better in that film because in Rookie of the Year, he just seems so out of place, but you accept it because he he does a good job as the character. It just doesn't feel right in some of the scenes that he's in. I mean, he's the only real slapstick element of this comedy. And I mean, he knocks it out of the park every time. <laughs> I'm glad you backtracked to make sure you inserted a baseball reference. I appreciate it even more now, Max. Keep it I gotta going. Get, I got to get all my batters in. I'm proud of you. Um, but <laughs> continuing on from them both being a first um, and only directorial effort, each of these kids who end up being associated with the major leagues is not particularly gifted at baseball in the beginning of these movies. And very rarely do they get any better. The kid from Rookie of the Year would go on to play more baseball than a kid in King Arthur's Court, but he still sucked there. <laughs> well, at, the, at least at the end of Rookie of the Year, he does catch a ball over the fence, which is a very difficult feat. And so we're led to believe he improved as a baseball player. But moving on from the kids can't play baseball, we got to also factor in some other familial elements. Literally familial. Uh, as uh, most of the time, our young protagonist is trying to fulfill the wishes of a father figure of some kind. Uh, we got a, uh, a doting grandfather or even a, uh, an aging pitcher he looks up to. We also have single mom and she's dating. Yes, in both of these movies, and I think it had to have been a 90s thing because the Mighty Ducks has this exact same storyline, is you have a single mom who gets their kid into sports who then kind of has a romantic affair with the people that they're involved with in those sports. It's the opposite of a Christopher Nolan movie because that mom would be so dead. Oh, that's so sad. I didn't think but about so that true. with Christopher Nolan. How many Nolan moms are alive? How many moms are alive in Christopher Nolan movies? I mean, Batman's parents live, right? Oh, Joey. <laughs> But they are both badass single moms who are dating. The dating element is definitely a little more pronounced in the beginning of Rookie of the Year as we're introduced to the Jack character and the Jack character kind of brings him into baseball. Jack's also a giant fucking douchebag and I hate everything about him other than the way he dresses. I kind of love it. Uh, whereas in Little Big League, she has been specifically avoiding dating um, since her husband passed and then slowly throughout the movie does end up dating one of the baseball players. And I think it's a wonderful relationship. Little, little, little change up on the mom's part. Uh, and then uh, we can't ever avoid in these types of movies, the protagonist forgets his friends subplot. When you suddenly be skyrocketed to at least national acclaim as a major league baseball player in Rookie of the Year and as a major league owner and manager in Little Big League, it's going to be difficult to balance your work life with your friend life. And I think that's a really great element of both of these movies is that they deal with that in the terms of kids. So it allows kids to understand like a work 
home life balance, but it really hits more home as an adult because as a kid, you don't ever actually have to deal with that reality. It's not until you hit adulthood that you have to somehow find that balance between your job and your career and your friends and your family and your enjoyment of things outside of your profession. I also would like to note that he forgets his friends at aquatic-based activities. Yeah, it does make it a little bit more similar in that regard for sure. And what, what are the things that they're doing in these movies, Max? See, the little big league kids are uh, fishing and the uh, rookie of the year kids are making a boat. Which I think are both wonderful childhood activities. I do find it hilarious, though, in Little Big League that they've been doing that for like two years and have never caught a fish. Man, like, they're not good ca- at it. <laughs> they're not, if I hadn't caught a fish within like the first week of me fishing, I don't think I would have ever fished again. But that's also one thing I love about those kids in Little Big League, too, because they get surprisingly deep. It's like at one point they realize they haven't caught any fish. But is it even fishing if you don't catch a fish? Yeah, they do have some nice philosophical moments. And that one uh, really was kind of the tip of the spear on that. And then uh, one of the crazy things they both share, it's a huge moment in one of the final games in the movies, the hidden ball trick. Yeah, and that is such a great element, and they do it a little bit differently, so we will talk about that a little later when we get into differences, but the fact that both movies have a hidden ball trick as a part of the final act of the movie is, you know, a little a little surprising. Yeah, that like that's one of those crazy coincidences that absolutely makes these dueling movies. For sure. Also, we can't forget the simple fact that both kids are 12 throughout most of the movie. In Little Big League, he has a birthday that makes him 12 years old, which takes place at Valley Fair, as previously mentioned. And in Rookie of the Year, they just mentioned that he's 12 throughout the movie. So these characters are the same age dealing with these same kinds of baseball woes. And they're emerging into uh, pre-pubescence as well as... uh, their friend groups all take the the moment to look upon the female form and comment. Yeah, in Rookie of the Year, they do lean a little bit more into that. It's kind of in passing in Little Big League, whereas the character, um, played by Julie the Cat, Gaffney, from The Mighty Ducks 2, um, is, at 2 and 3, yes, um, is the love interest in Rookie of the Year, which she becomes more of a character and her friend group is a little bit more developed. Whereas in Little Big League, it's essentially a passing moment that this girl finds him attractive or at least finds them interesting now. She gets the autograph in there early and uh, is never mentioned again the rest of the movie. Exactly. Whereas Julia the Cat, as she will be referred to from here on out, Oh, it's Um, always Julie the Cat. Childhood crush, hockey player, also appears in this movie. Uh, But anyhow, she's in it, and they come full circle being um, as a part of the boat, as a part of the friend group. And I think that whole storyline really is fleshed out and works so much better in Rookie of the Year. And then the last major similarity we have is the fact that both of these movies actually use real, you know, franchise baseball teams. We got the Chicago Cubs uh, for Rookie of the Year, and we have the Minnesota Twins, hey, for uh, Little Big League. And they actually play and film on their fields. And some of the scenes from both films are shot during actual games um, to get that reality, to get those crowd sequences. And both films also use actual baseball players in the film as well. Yeah, we got uh, Randy Johnson and Ken Griffey Jr. in Little Big League. And in uh, Rookie of the Year, we've got Bobby Bonilla and Barry Bonds. And who is the other one, Max? Pedro Guerrero. 
I think this is a pretty good time to switch into differences because although that there are professional baseball players used in both of these films, one of the two uses them as a far more important crux of the film, and that's in Little Big League. Ken Griffey Jr. actually has lines, and Randy Johnson is a relief pitcher brought in at the last moment to seal the victory against the Twins. So like in Little Big League, these professional athletes do become actual actors and actual parts of the film. In Rookie of the Year, they're just one-off moments, Barry Bonds having more screen time than the others, just to show that Henry is actually striking out professional baseball players and not just actors. Well, even then, I don't think they were actually filmed as actors, I think they got them during, you know, like an actual game and just had them swing. It sure seems that way. But at the same time, the way Barry Bonds looks at the camera, I feel like he had to have known. They had well, I mean, he, I think he knew, but I think they just did it during a game. Yeah, that's probably what most likely happened. I, I would agree there. I think the biggest major difference in these movies is what type of movie they actually are. I mean, Rookie of the Year is... I mean, going into these movies, having only really seen Angels in the Outfield as my basis for kids' sports movies, I was expecting a movie like that. Something a little sillier, a little more melodramatic and sappy. And both of these movies kind of impressed me by not going to that level. Uh, I mean, obviously, a little closer to that was Rookie of the Year with mostly just Daniel Stern's character being a little crazy and just the audacity of having a child playing a major uh, league game. Uh, And then we have Little Big League as an absolutely adult movie just about a kid. Forget the fact he's a kid. This would be Moneyball. And I really appreciate that that distinction and difference. The other thing about the two movies, kind of in the same vein, is that technically... Little Big League is a lot more plausible. Now, is it ever going to happen? No, it's not going to happen. But it's a lot less fantastic than the idea of Rookie of the Year playing out. Well, yeah, one, you got just the impossibility of however his arm healed the way it did after being broken. Okay, that's going to keep going for half a year at least. But uh, yeah, the audacity of just having grandpa give me the team and I'm going to manage it is kind of weird. Like he says, oh, I'm going to give you my favorite thing in the world, the Minnesota Twins. And I'm going to let you potentially drive it into the ground. Well, it's I my mean- favorite thing. I mean, it's a risk worth taking, I think, you know, because when he's making the will, he doesn't necessarily know when he's going to die, right? He could live for another 10 years and this kid's actually of age at that point. But I understand what you're saying. Well, yeah, why not leave it to him in trust until he's ready to manage it? Why let him do it now? Because then we wouldn't have a movie, Max. I know, and that's the weird part. Little Big League kind of focuses on what I didn't expect the movie to be. I thought the whole movie would be just about him being an owner, not being the manager. Yeah, that would have been the whole different movie altogether. Exactly, and I think it works so much better in this regard because he decides to insert himself into the franchise And I think that just makes it a lot more fun and gives us a lot more room for character development and also gives us a lot more time with the baseball players. And that is exactly where Little Big League excels. Almost every character has its own little arc. The baseball players are certainly distinguished from each other and are very unique and interesting. They do a really good job of creating a number of different character arcs, which I'm honestly surprised about rewatching it. I assumed 
that they wouldn't each have their own storyline, but they do a good job of that. They even balance multiple pitchers in the movie. Like yeah, playing the same position, they pull off having that character or those two characters battle each other out. Yeah, and uh, I mean, each of them has their own pluses and minuses, which actually makes the kid seem like a good manager that he knows when to take him out and replace him. He is a good manager. To take a yeah. team that's in last place and suddenly get them in the chance to get in the playoffs, that's impressive. Although I was surprised he fired Dennis Farina so quickly as he's a big name, so I thought he'd be in the movie more. Yeah, that was a nice uh, a nice uh, ad to just have him be in it as a, as a character, as a moment, and then have him be out, which I completely understand. If you have the option to trade for Ricky Henderson in the 90s, you gotta do it. But of course, that backfires and ends up with him being manager. So everything works out in the story world. Although I bet if uh, Ricky Henderson had been on the team, they probably make the playoffs. Well, I mean, they did make the playoffs, right? They just uh, lost the last uh, series, right? Um, from what I understood watching it this time, that was a play-in game to make the playoffs. Ah, okay. See, that was a little confusing, and that's always kind of crazy when it comes to sports movies in general, because half the time, they go all the way to the big show, like the very end, the the World Series, the Super Bowl, what have you. But the select few actually are realistic, and they only go so far before they lose or win, and they just let you believe the rest happens naturally. Which is uh, obviously a major difference here um if you haven't seen the films well we already gave you a spoiler warning so deal with it in little big league they lose they do not win that play-in game they do not go to the playoffs and they do not win the world series and it is heartbreaking because ken griffey jr is a baseball god and he stole the ball out of the air causing them to lose that game on the last play it would have been Probably the greatest baseball game to ever watch had it been a real game. It's like the bottom of the 10th inning, a ball going over the fence. It's a home run, if not for Ken Griffey Jr. It literally couldn't have been a more exciting baseball game. Well, also, the guy who hit the ball is the first baseman who's about to marry the manager's mom. And he said if he doesn't make it, he doesn't get to marry him. He proposed during the game. The stakes the, couldn't have been higher. <laughs> the build in Little Big League has done so much better um, in that regard because so many character arcs are all coming to fruition at the same time. In Rookie of the Year, it's really just two characters for the most part. We have Henry as the, the young pitcher, and we also have Chet Stedman, played by a wonderful Gary Busey, both kind of like finishing out their careers in that final game um, of, I believe, the the League Championship Series before they were to go on to the World Series, which they win, apparently, according to the final freeze frame, which is another similarity. Both of these movies end on a freeze frame. In Rookie of the Year, they end on a freeze frame of Henry putting his fist to the sky, wearing a Cubs World Series ring. Much like uh, Dashing Hopes in Little Big League, they actually don't go all the way in Rookie of the Year. But yeah, it's assumed they won the World Series. Yeah, they do show it that they won the World Series, but we don't get to see it, which, you know, that... That'll just happen, I guess. I mean, that does make me wonder. Both of their pitchers are out, and they never established they have a relief pitcher. I mean, most baseball teams have multiple pitchers, but that's another thing that bothered the crap out of me of Rookie of the Year is when Henry gets injured in the bottom of the ninth inning, 
Just put a different pitcher in. You have one. Why are we doing all this stupid trickery? Like for me, and I hate to say this because it's a movie about a 12 year old who gets to major league baseball because he broke his arm and his tendons fused weird. And now he can throw balls over a hundred miles an hour. For a movie that has that ridiculous of a premise, the fact that he gets hurt in the bottom of the ninth and the manager doesn't pull him out took me out of the movie. I was so mad watching it this time. I'm like, that's not how professional sports teams operate. Yeah, like at no point in Little Big League did you ever assume this wasn't a professional team because they all still keep doing their jobs. And I got to say this too. In Little Big League, the baseball action looks so much better. They do a much better job of capturing actual baseball moments. Maybe, I don't know all of the uh, specifics of how they shot it or how they captured it, but they have a lot more actual baseball action throughout the movie where Rookie of the Year spends a little more time on the characters and their struggles outside of it. We get to see so much more baseball actually happening in Little Big League. And I think that might have a little bit to do with the runtime being a little longer. It also just made me feel a lot more like I'm actually on the field with him being a part of the management of this team. Well, also, I think it might have to do with their locations, too, because I have to imagine it's a lot more expensive to film at Wrigley Field than it is at the Metrodome. I don't know for certain, but I feel you are correct. Although I will say the Twins certainly have had more uh, World Series wins under their belt than the Cubbies do. Uh, At that time, for sure. It was actually relatively recent in their history that they'd won the World Series, where, you know, the Cubs had been, uh, I don't know, I guess this was 94. 393 when rookie of the year came out so it had been like 90 years since they had won the world series last time whereas the twins had won in 1987 and 1991 and you can see both of those trophies in like the owner's office somewhere which just goes to show that it adds another level of reality to it actually filming in these locations in these actual owners boxes on the actual field with actual jerseys and logos it brings you in on a whole nother level and it just you don't we don't get that anymore so much like Moneyball like you mentioned was one of the last ones but a lot of sports films deal with fake franchises or made up teams or made up events in order to not have to deal with that in both of these films we got to be a part of Major League Baseball so what other differences do we got here that stand out to you Max? Uh, I mean most of it is just tone I mean slapstick is all over rookie of the year where it's pretty much all serious in little big league so much so that even like the 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 tropes like the the betraying the friends subplot or the dating mom subplot are never melodramatic enough to draw too much attention to themselves they happen very naturally and there isn't some weird quirky music cue to tell us this is awkward or this is joyous Yeah, Little Big League does take itself a little more seriously. And, I mean, that owes a lot to the simple premise of the film. Um, It's a little more believable, a little more real, even though it's still in that fantasy realm. And I think another thing that works really well for me is actually the comedy in Little Big League hits much harder because of that. Because the comedy isn't slapstick and doesn't come out of nowhere and doesn't feel... Uh, misplaced it just kind of flows from the characters for example the moment where billy as the manager goes to stop some uh, baseball players from causing a ruckus in the hotel room and it turns out they're dropping water balloons 
from one of the higher floors and then instead he just joins them because of course he would because he's a 12 year old kid getting to drop water balloons out of a hotel complex onto unsuspecting people below who wouldn't want to do that that's such a great joyous little moment and it works so well within the character development and it's just it's really funny. Well, that and, you know, going along with the hotel bit as well, when he uh, calls up his friends and describes hotel porn to him, is it's so, of course he would. Yeah, well, why wouldn't you do that? At 12 years old, if you suddenly have the opportunity to purchase some porn, and at the time, too, he also believes that it's untraceable, which then comes back to bite him later, which I think is just very much on brand. It cracked me up because... Uh, I, I've been a part of that kind of an experience. Um, but it worked out so great in this movie. And when he's about to hang up the phone with him, he's like, oh, wait, I got to go. They got another patient. <laughs> They're just describing the plot of the porno. And it's hilarious. Like, the, 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 just the exchanges between his friends, Billy and his friends in Little Big League, is priceless. Although the friends in uh, Rookie of the Year are also fairly enduring. Although they kind of jump to the, the tropiness a little quick in Rookie of the Year. They start fighting real quick, and then they forget it like it was nothing. Which is very much like a kid, I suppose. But also, it was like, oh, we have to do this. It, it it does kind of change a little quickly, but I do think it works really well. I think his friends are one of the strong points of Rookie of the Year. Their bond seems very real and very believable. And then, as you mentioned, they do forgive each other rather quickly. But I think that's, you know, like you said, what most kids do. Things don't last too long at that age. And I think that would be a thing that we should actually all try and accomplish a little more in our adult lives. So being reminded of that was a, a very nice positive. And then just some of the tone of Rookie of the Year as well was a little jarring, much like a roller coaster you might find at Valley Fair. It's, uh, it jostles you to and fro between being semi-serious, uh, never totally serious, but also slipping a little too much into that slapstick area. Like there was a great bit at the beginning of the movie when he first starts playing. They do a whole Wizard of Oz shtick when he goes into the clubhouse. It's like, who rang that bell type of thing. And it's like, it's hilarious, but also that type of humor just disappears fairly quickly and might come back in an unexpected spot. Yeah, it doesn't quite stay as tonally consistent as Little Big League. But there's one other, I just want to say this as a major difference. It shows kind of things in a more positive light in Little Big League. And so that's another reason why I appreciated that film so much. In Rookie of the Year, we have a boyfriend of the mom. His name is Jack. And he's a giant douchebag, and I hate him. But You could just say he's an ass. Like, it's right there. He's a, his name is Jack, and he's an ass. All right, so he's, Jack is a jackass. But what he does is he takes advantage of the situation to make money off of young Henry and to put him in predicaments that he wouldn't otherwise be in and is forcing him to lose his childhood. He's very much like what you consider as an evil stage mom kind of thing. There's a stage dad. That's what he's doing to Henry. And he gets his comeuppance. He gets punched in the face by Henry's mom. And that's a wonderful moment. But even in that scene preceding that, we get a little bit of that stickiness to it because his performance becomes, it's no longer real, right? The, the, what he's doing to them is, is super real, taking advantage of the situation. But then in his performance in that scene, they don't want to get too dark. So they just have him be this over-the-top, ridiculous character that gets knocked out by his mom. And it works 
because it's more of a kid-focused movie. But I guess I just wish they would have gone a little bit darker because he's the kind of person you should absolutely look out for. It would, yeah, I think it would have worked a little better if he, if he wasn't quite as comedic of a persona. And in Little Big League, we just never have that kind of a character, which is nice. It's nice to see everyone in Little Big League not trying to take advantage of each other, except for those who are being blatant about it. Like one of the the baseball pitchers just wants to get paid more. You know, he's upfront about it. He's never trying to hide it. He's not trying to swindle anybody. I appreciate that. I mean, granted, he is kind of one of the, the characters we grow to hate, but then he does have a turnaround. But at least he's upfront about it. He's not a greasy jackass like Jack, even though I do like Jack's shirts. He does have amazing 90s shirts. And I'm actually surprised it didn't get darker because he actually did trick. Yeah, he actually tricks Henry's mom into signing a contract that would trade him to New York. And that actually should legally stand. So how they get around that, I will never know. But <laughs> I, think, I think they get out of it by the technicality of him retiring. And that contract is thanks to the other lovely trope in this type of movie. You have the jackass uh, stage parent, but you also have the conniving executive slash owner's son, uh, Dan Hedaya, plays. I was just about to say, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but he also plays this exact same character in The Addams Family. They are so similar that it freaked me out when I realized they were the same actor. Although, when he gets his comeuppance at the end of the movie and he gets shouted down by his dad, the guy who played Mr. Duncan from Home Alone 2, and just him cowering under this old man is just the best. It's great, and he does actually whimper like a dog being scolded, um, which I didn't remember in my childhood, but hearing it now, I was just like, yeah, that that fits. And then he makes him be a a hot dog stand man. Which he had told him he would do to him at the beginning of the movie, so it was a great callback. It worked really well, and I think that's something that both of these movies do quite well, is they do come mostly full circle, having a lot of character development, a lot of things that were foreshadowed come to fruition in the end of these movies. Well, we've come to that point in the show, and it is always traditional, and I encourage you to do the same, whether you're just listening at home or you're driving, and that's to uh, stand up. It's the seventh inning stretch. Me out to the ball game. Take me out to Okay, we're done with that. Now that the seventh inning stretch is over, it is time for History, History Facts, and Box Office. So, Max, hit us with some facts. Oh, I got some facts for you. These movies did not make a lot of money. Well, that's quite disappointing. Although, one made more money than the other, and that was Rookie of the Year, which is more than likely the more remembered of these two films. Off a budget of $31 million for Rookie of the Year, it made roughly, I'd say, $53.6 million domestically, with only two point eight internationally, although that's a sight better than Little Big League as it never opened overseas and it only pulled in $12.2 million total off of a $20 million budget. Oof. Man, that puts it up there with like Wyatt Earp in terms of our return on box office. Yeah, so they're both, uh, you know, a little separate as far as box office revenue, although critically, they're almost the exact same. Not quite, but very close. Uh, Little Big League has a Rotten Tomatoes score critically of 31%. Audience, 53%. Metacritic, he got 57 out of 100. Over on Rotten Tomatoes for Rookie of the Year, we have 35% with 52% audience. And 53 out of 100 on Metacritic. 
So overall, I would say that Little Big League has a tiny lead, both in audience and uh, on Metacritic score alone, whereas uh, Rotten Tomatoes has Rookie of the Year at just 4% more critically. That's so surprising. Now, granted, both of these films are a lot of fun, and Rookie of the Year does have the distinct advantage of having come out first. And as we've seen in most of our dueling movies, the first film to come out tends to have the advantage because people look at it and they don't compare it to anything else. It's just, it is it is what it is. Take it or leave it. If a movie comes out later, specifically in these two, much later, it's going to have a hard time topping the previous one. So much so that Little Big League could almost be called a copycat if they weren't different tonally. Like, I would never call these a ripoff of each other, honestly. But Rookie of the Year started production in September of 92 to December of 92, coming out on July 7th, 1993. Whereas Little Big League didn't even start production until after Rookie of the Year had come out. It started in August of 93 to November of 93, coming out in July 1st, 1994. So six days shy of a year. That is Cutting it close, my friends. Um, I'm curious if it was one of those things that Major League Baseball got somehow involved. You know, they found out that a Cubs movie was coming out, and then the twins were like, well, let's make a movie. Well, yeah, the logistics of having to film at an actual ball game have to be daunting. So pre-production is key in making sure that happens. And, uh, yeah, it looks like both of these movies started filming during the regular baseball season and continued after uh, the postseason. Well, then that kind of gives us a good idea of how their production schedule was set up in terms of what scenes were shot when. Uh, but that's so interesting. I assumed that Rookie of the Year had made more money, but I didn't look into it. But it seems like it made a lot more money, which I didn't anticipate it having made that kind of cash. Comparatively, yes, it did make a profit, although not as much as you would think. So it was not a huge uh, moneymaker. I only technically grossed $20 million over its budget. And usually you have to double your budget to be considered a success. But it's better than not making your budget back, right? Yeah, 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 I'd say that's true. I'm curious, though, if either of these films had funding specifically from the Major League Baseball franchises or if that was considered like in-kind donations to production. Because it cannot be cheap to license a baseball franchise, especially when it shows up so often in a film. That's a thing that I think we won't be able to easily find anywhere, but I would be curious to know. I would as well, although I have no doubt in my mind these production companies canvassed all of Major League Baseball to see who would be a little more amenable, who would charge them the least to let them film in their stadium and get them this much attention. Especially the Cubbies, who, as you noted earlier, had not won a World Series in almost a hundred years. For sure, which they have now. Congratulations, Cubs. Way to be World Series champions. Let's see you get back there again sometime in the near future. Whereas, again, you had the Twins, who were very popular at the time, having won two World Series in the last ten years. So they both had reasons for them to want filming to happen. So we got a lot of the box office out of the way right there. We got a little bit of some facts earlier with like the director information. Is there any history other than the filming? Like, did they have any kind of dueling nature to them at all? Or did it just kind of happen that these movies came out? Uh, it's almost dual adjacent when it comes to these because they had such a separate production schedule and they almost came out 
an entirely opposite year from each other. It's only a technicality that we include them here. But um, yeah, like they were both scripts that existed beforehand and one just got uh, picked up before the other. 20th Century Fox uh, had the distribution on Rookie of the Year, whereas a subset of Warner Brothers, Castle Rock Entertainment, took up Little Big League, so it was certainly a smaller production, so it might have taken just a little bit longer, a little more steam to get it in the pipeline. Gotcha. Well, both of these films are a part of my childhood, and I can't really say um, which one was more important as a child, but I can tell you which one I think is better now. And I feel like it is an appropriate time for us to go ahead and figure out who is the... Winner, winner, who's the winner? Well, I can tell you fairly easily, with having no bias in this uh, this race whatsoever, uh, it's Little Big League. It was a more adult movie. It didn't, you know, stoop down like... Um, Roger Ebert in his review gave it three and a half out of four because it didn't talk down to its audience, which presumably would have been younger kids. And it's that reason that I think that it is the better movie. For me, I got to agree with you, Max, that Little Big League just felt like a better movie. Do I enjoy Rookie of the Year? Do I remember all of these moments from Rookie of the Year? Yes. Are they both good movies? Yes. Are they both quite enjoyable and fun? Yes. Is one more oriented towards an audience that I'm no longer a part of? Absolutely. Rookie of the Year certainly plays to a younger audience. And now, as a 32-year-old man, I cannot quite relate as well as I did when I was younger. And Little Big League definitely fits into my new universe a lot better, especially with how good of a job they do dealing with his stress on the job and trying to balance work life. It floods into his whole reality in both directions. Baseball stresses him out, so he's taking it out on his friends. His friend life is stressing him out, and so he takes it out on the baseball players. His mom's dating a baseball player, so what does he do? He benches that baseball player. That's exactly what you would do if you were a 12-year-old, and it's what some people do as adults. Their biases show completely, and they can't hide it. And that kind of goes into the, the whole thing I said about... It being an adult movie just happens to be about a kid. It very much feels that way. And I guess for me, I I laughed a lot more at Little Big League. It might have a little bit to do with having seen Rookie of the Year a lot more times as a kid. So some of these moments stood out more. But I do think it's more the tonal shift. It's serious. So when it is comedic, those comedic moments hit a lot harder. So I laughed a lot more at Little Big League. And I really did appreciate how much better baseball was integrated. There was no special effects to my knowledge in the baseball that they were using. They had some great plays, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that reminds me. But with uh, Rookie of the Year, there's definitely special effects or some kind of... It looks like they kind of just drew the baseball. They're trying to portray it going faster than normal. And you could just tell it's a, it's a post effect. Although I will say one thing that I absolutely adored about Rookie of the Year compared to Little Big League is just that kind of, you know, Disney kids movie feel of trying to go for your heartstrings. At no point does Little Big League actually, you know, make that effort. It's endearing in its own way, but there's one moment in Rookie of the Year that actually, like, you know, made me a little foot And that was the moment at the very end of the movie. He's sitting on the mound trying to question himself and he looks at his glove and he realizes it's his mom's glove. Like his mom is the one who played baseball. She had told him his whole life that his dad, who was a bum, she left him, but she told him he was the baseball player. But when he realized it was her the entire time, that was just a wonderful moment. That moment, you know, it hits you hard. And then 
he throws a floater pitch, which it works in the context of the movie. And it is, for a lot of baseball players, really difficult to hit a pitch that is like that when they're not used to it at all. So somewhat believable, but I, I don't know the legality, Max. I'm not sure if it's in the rules if he's allowed to pitch like that. Although going back to legality, the hidden ball trick, the time he does it in Rookie of the Year, illegal. In Little Big League, absolutely legal because he was not standing on the plate. Interesting. I didn't look into that, um, but I believe that you are probably correct because one of them is a little bit suspicious for sure. (laughs) Well, I mean, it would have been legal had he not been on the plate because it would have been considered a timeout or something like that. It obviously goes a little more in-depth than that, but it was a fun little tidbit I realized that one was legal, one was not. And if I have any uh, diehard uh, baseball nuts, please message us, correct me. I love to be corrected. Please let us know because we haven't followed baseball very tightly in a while, so I also have no idea the legalities of this. But nonetheless, one worked better than the other, and that one was Little Big League anyhow. So if Little Big League was also legal works for me it's like and i wouldn't doubt it honestly i think it was a little more uh, tightly written so i think they would have done that research rather than try to be you know the kids film which is a little more loosey-goosey with things but that is these two films everyone they were both quite enjoyable but our winner was little big league by unanimous decision which actually surprises me. I thought Rookie of the Year was going to have a a good showing, which it did, but I didn't think we were both going to land on Little Big League. And I don't think it actually has anything to do with our Minnesota bias. I just think that happens to be a nice little tidbit that we both liked the Minnesota movie more. I know. I was definitely a fan of the Twins uh, growing up, although obviously I didn't uh, follow them very well. Um, But yeah, it was kind of fun seeing a little bit of home for the most part, even if it was the uh, Twin Cities. But uh, uh, Little Big League was the film that swung for the fences and earned its right to uh, move up from the minors to play with the majors. That is some impressive wordplay. I am proud of you. So anyhow, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Twinima Cinema. You can check us out on Instagram at Twinima Cinema or on Twitter at Cinema Twinima. Not confusing. Don't worry about it. And also, Max? Please like, subscribe, and uh, just in general, uh, hit us up. We love hearing from you. So uh, yeah, subscribe. Like, I already said that. (laughs) Become Uh, a fan. Just like you're a fan of a baseball, join us and become a fan of our pages. I am Joey. I am Max. And this was Twinima Cinema. Thank you so much for listening. Join us next time. Also, please continue to wear your masks. Next time on Twinima Cinema, we're taking another field trip. Under the sea, where we meet a shark that's going to eat you. We're going to Amity Island, baby. So bring your inflatable wraps and your favorite pet dog and uh, your little boats. And uh, we're going to have some fun. And your young children. (laughs) And your young children. And your wife's holiday roast. Your 3D glasses. And your Michael Kynes. I completely forgot he's in Revenge. Oh my god, another opportunity to do impressions for Michael Caine. That's coming up on our next episode of Twinima Cinema. Field trip!